You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 18. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that like cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. Today, I'm going to be talking to Jackie Griot. Jackie and I are going to be covering all your strap-on needs, everything from how to pick the right dong and harness to the best positions for a strap-on newbie. Are you ready to learn how to choose, wear, clean, and fuck with a strap-on? Well, I am. So let's get started. All right. Today, we're talking to Jackie Griot. She's an artist, a storyteller, and a kinky sex educator from Baltimore, Maryland. She is focused on creating art and supporting kinky representation for people of color. Her current projects include Jackie Griot's productions on Facebook and Perverts of Color on Tumblr. So anything else you want to add to that, Jackie? Um, Well, I just want to say hi to all the listeners. And uh, you basically said what I was going to say. I have been into kink for, uh, I don't know, when did I meet you? What was it? 2007. Seven, oh, yeah. eight, I met Cassie. Seven. Eleven? Seven. No way. Yeah. I don't even know. Time. <laughs> yeah, so this whole time I've been organizing kink spaces and I've always had a, a love of art. And so I'm merging the two. And I started my business, Jackie Griel Productions. And I'm glad I get a chance to talk to you guys today. And we're talking about one of my favorite topics too, but I won't go ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk about strap-ons and strap-oning, which is actually one of my favorite subjects too. So this should be a lot of fun. Um, and I've actually, as you said, I've known Jackie for a very long time. And I believe you were at the first kinky happy hour that I ever attended. And <laughs> yep, I definitely was. TNG Baltimore, baby. Shout out to TNG Baltimore. And uh, that was that was crazy because for the longest time, Rigel wasn't able to make it with me to things. So a lot of people thought Rigel was like someone I made up. <laughs> we didn't. I didn't believe he was real. You just brought this guy around one day, said he was your man. But for the longest, I knew you first, basically. Yeah. So it was kind of like an ongoing joke that like my my husband was not real. So, um, but I, but he's real as (laughs) listeners have heard, he does do stuff. So, so yeah, we've, we've known each other for a long time and, uh, you actually have taught a strap on one-on-one class for touch of flavor in the past. Mm -hmm. Yes, we did. It was me and it was my friend, uh, Suzanne Shangri-La, who also uh, helped us with the TNG Baltimore when we first got started. But yeah, st- strap-on 101 is one of my favorite subjects. It's it's universal. Everyone should get a strap-on. So before we get into uh, you know all the things about strap-ons, what got you curious about strap-ons like when you first decided to try it out? 
Um, it was actually one of my first kinks. Uh, I think I'd seen some strap-on porn at some point, and I was like, yes, that is great. Where can you get one of those? Because, <laughs> you know, in a lot of the porn, it, it had to deal with uh, gender switching or playing with gender, which I always thought was hot. And uh, I like it when it can be used in submissive ways or dominant ways. And so actually strap-ons was one of the first kinks that really got me interested into kink. Because I really wanted a dick. I thought that would be the coolest thing in the world if I could just find the perfect one for me. And I did. (laughs) But that was actually one of the first um, sort of uh, kink things I remember doing would be going to parties and just wearing a very large, fabulous strap-on or talking to people about strap-ons. So it was like a gateway drug for me. So how did your first strap-on experience go? Um, I, I think it went really well because I know what it's like to give and to get that type of, you know, action. So I was very um, attuned to the person I was with. So I guess if I break it down, I was with one of my older partners. And so he was really nervous about it because um, sometimes people are nervous about prostate stuff as they get older. But um, we went really slow. Uh, he loved it, like loved it, loved it, like it became one of his favorite things after that. And I just felt really powerful because I did it, you know, like I did that. I made this guy totally have the time of his life. And um, I don't know, that's where it just, it just got real. It's like, wow, look at this power I have. Look at how much fun we can have with this, you know, equipment. Well, for me, it's my dick. I don't think of it as equipment. I think of it as an extension of myself because that's how, I guess, hardcore I am about my strap-ons. I hear you. I actually wore a strap-on to a dinner theater a while ago, and I was like, this feels just right. This is the perfect penis for me. And it was really fulfilling. And I'm glad that your first experience was a good one. So my first experience with strap-ons actually wasn't a great one. And the reason was uh, I was in my early 20s, uh, well, actually, I guess late teens, because I was 19 turning 20 at the time, and I had a girlfriend, and she wanted me to use a strap-on on her, and I was like, absolutely, this sounds fantastic. So we went out, and we went to a little sex shop, which was mostly a video store sex shop, not a sex shop, but like the ones that have mostly videos and is run by like a really creepy old guy. Uh (laughs) And so we grabbed the strap on from there and it was pretty much a piece of crap. And we got into it and we started doing things and it kept like popping off of the harness And it was a really embarrassing experience for both her and I. So it was actually a really bad experience. And I'm glad that I didn't let that sort of impact me going forward. I was like, I've got to make this work. This activity is something I want to do. But the the strap-on harness or strap-on something was not clicking. So... I gave it a few more tries and I love strap oning now, but <laughs> my first experience was not good. <laughs> so 
why do you think other people might want to give strap on a try? Might want to give it a try. Okay. Well, I think um, anyone who wants to dish it should take it. If you want your partner to do something to your body or, you know, or they want to do something to your body, they should have to try it too. And I find that the partners I've had who can receive strap-ons and give strap-ons generally are better lovers because it's, uh, you understand the experience. I think sometimes when people have sex, maybe not even with a strap-on, just in general, there's this like, I'm having sex with you, but not with you, like at you, kind of. And so if you have a a person who is willing to try it sometimes, you might find that they're uh, a little more flexible in other ways. I don't know. I think it's just a a general um, openness or willingness to try something new. It's just a butt. Everybody has a butt or a hole of some kind. You know, it's not going to kill anyone. And a lot of people enjoy it more than they, they think. And if you're the kind of person into gender um, play or exploring gender in any way, it's really hot to include that in your play. Um, If you're a straight guy and you're just like, no, absolutely not. That's your right. You're allowed to not want to do it. No one should pressure you. But if you're a person who's curious, but you're scared to do it because of your hangups, I promise it's fine. And you don't even have to tell anyone. It can be your secret. <laughs> you don't have to tell everyone what happened. It could just be between you and your partner. Right, exactly. It's not that serious. It's just interesting to me, people's hangups about it. It's just a dick, guys. And I think that there's even this idea that either strap-on play is just for a girl to, you know, a female-bodied person, vagina haver, to fuck another vagina haver or for a vagina haver to fuck a penis haver. And I feel like there is so much play that you can do in there. Uh, I even have male body people who use strap-ons as an addition to being able to do other things. And it's this idea that it's just a just a certain type of play that you can do only if you are a lesbian or if you're gay or if you're a queer person. And really, it's it's not a gender thing. It's it's a feeling and sensation thing. I agree with that. That's one of the things in our strap-on class we tell people is that anyone can have a strap-on. You're correct. They do make them for people with penises. They make them for people without penises. You can get the thigh harnesses they have. So you can, if maybe you can't um, wear a strap-on around your waist for whatever reason, you can wear it around your thigh. They have all kinds of ways you can incorporate it, incorporate it into your lovemaking and your play. It doesn't have to be this one trick pony that only certain people have access to. I think it's kind of a stereotype. They want to say only certain people enjoy this, but lots of people can enjoy it. It's the sensation of I have whatever size dick I want. Even if you have a dick, maybe yours isn't as big or as little or as short or as purple as the one I can get online and then wear and do all kinds of things with it. So you can use your imagination. So that's why I like it. I can use my imagination with my, with my harness on. Yeah, I feel like I can bring a lot to the table when I have my strap-ons with my partners because I'm like, this is my bag. Select from what 
you think would be the best for you. I've got everything from a tentacle to a little tiny like limp penis, like everything that you could imagine. I have one that's like a unicorn horn. So if you've ever wanted to be fucked by a unicorn, now is your chance. (laughs) That is hot. That is so hot. I want to be fucked by a unicorn. (laughs) So... Um, It really does provide a lot of different options. And I think that it's something that if you're able to get over that idea that it's just for a certain type of people, it is very helpful and can open up doorways for all different kinds of activities that you never really could do without having a detachable penis. It's true. It's true. And I've found a lot of people aren't wearing them correctly, which is why they don't like them. Like if you're wearing it in a way where the, the, you're not being stimulated, you can adjust it, you know, pull it back or forward, however you need to. But when you're wearing your harness, you can have orgasms like that. You don't, I don't even need to be touched, frankly, if I'm wearing my harness and I'm getting down because I connect to it. It's like, you were sucking my dick. I feel that. I feel the vibrations. I see your face. I can appreciate it and in a different way than if you were actually touching my genitals. I feel anyway. So talking about, you know, positioning, things like that, I guess I would like to start with in case our listeners are interested in trying and they haven't tried or they have tried in the past, but don't have, you know, adequate stuff to be able to actually do good strap oning. What is your opinion as far as harnesses for strap-oning? Um, well, I I honestly think the reason my first experience with strap-oning went so well is because I had a quality harness. Because once I saw someone with it, I did some research online and you know, looked at the, there's many, many types of harnesses. You know, there's like um, uh, leather ones, which are great if you like the feeling of leather but um, they're also straps, so you have to adjust them kind of like you adjust a belt. And uh, you can wear them more than one time if you get bigger or smaller, because usually leather things are adjustable to a certain extent. Um, so those are great. They're a little more, they're a little harder to clean, but not impossible. Um, and then they have like plastic ones and uh, all kinds of fabric. My personal favorite brand is um, Spare Parts is the name of the company. And the brand is called Jockstrap. Me too. That's my favorite. Yes, that's my favorite. Spare parts Jockstrap. That's the one. And it's um, it's shaped kind of like the Jockstraps that athletes wear. And uh, it's got a really r- wide silicone, like um, not silicone, excuse me, a Velcro uh, waist. So it fits many different sizes. Me and Cassie are not the same size, but I bet you we'd wear the same size of this harness because it's that adjustable. Yeah, I've had partners who have borrowed my harness and are much larger bodied people than I am who it's fit. And I've even had a girlfriend who is smaller than me fit into it as well. So they're very adjustable. And it's absolutely one of my favorites. And I will put a link to the spare parts in the show notes if you guys want to check it out because it's my favorite harness. Um, I also like the Tannis. I don't know if you've had ever tried some of the Tannis. Mm -hmm. I have the Tannis is a good one as well. So that would also be, it's a little lower price point than the spare parts, I believe. So if that's an issue for people, they may want to check the Tannis out. Yeah, I think it's a little less, but I will say it is more work. 
as far as adjusting, things like that. Um, it's a little bit more work when you're dealing with a leather harness than it is one that's Velcro. Right. Exactly. That's the main thing is that the positives on both is the leather one is kind of sexy for the aesthetic and it's sturdier. So if it is your size, it's going to be exactly your size, you know, but if you get the other one that's a little stretchier, it's more adjustable, but because it's stretchy, um, it will get less stretchy over time. So I've had mine for years and years and years and it still works wonderful, but it is a little, you know, looser than when I first got it because the elastic over time gets worn. Yeah, my first spare parts I got, oh, geez, uh, pretty close to 10 years ago, and it still works. I just recently, before going to camp this year during the summer, got a new one. So that's how long it's lasted me, and it's got a little a little more flexible. The Velcro is not sticking quite like it used to, but... It's 10 years. And when you're looking at the price point, that's like, you know, less than $10 a year (laughs) kind of a thing. So I'm okay with that. Worth every penny. Definitely worth the money. Yeah, I would agree. I would say that the uh, spare part is probably a 10 to 15 year um, wear. And then leather ones are lifetime, but you better be the similar size that whole lifetime because it's not going to fit if you gain a lot or lose a lot. So we talked a little bit about harnesses. Uh, anything as far as harnesses that people should avoid? Ooh, um, I don't want to specifically name any companies out, but I'll say that some of those vacuum lock harnesses with it's like a it's like a plastic bikini brief underwear and it's got a giant plug on it that you just sort of jam the dildo onto. I don't know what they're called. I want to say Vaculock is what they're called, but those are horrible. You don't want any, you don't want to be smushing against plastic like that. You want fabric or leather or something set. You don't want that sweaty, it's almost like Easter egg type plastic. It's not sexy. So, and you don't want any of those harnesses that have that jelly material that smells because if your harness or your dildo has a, um, a chemical odor, then that means it's not body safe and you don't want any of that stuff. So some of that jelly looking, you leave those alone. You do better, honestly, if you can't really afford a harness to just look up some uh, tutorials online to make them out of rope. Because you could make fabulous ones out of rope and they would last you just as long as those cheaper ones. And it'll be better for you. Exactly. And it won't burn your skin or have, you know, any chemicals in it. Just get you some nice soft rope, learn a couple ties. And really, it's honestly not as complicated as you think. It's like you tie a knot around the base of the harness and you tie a knot around your waist. <laughs> and you tie a knot between your legs. So you can find something that's comfortable for you. Yeah. So the one thing I will say as far as staying away from harnesses, I think those are really good things to stay away from. The only other thing I will add is staying away from things that cannot be cleaned up. I once ran into a girl at a dungeon space and she walked over and she was wearing this velvet harness that she had had made. And I was like, that's really pretty. How do you clean it? And she said, well, it can't be cleaned. And My first thought was, okay, so you're just using this as something that you're wearing. Okay, so if you're just using it to pack, cool. 
And then I got curious. So I was like, well, what are you planning on doing this evening? And she's like, I'm going to fuck him in the butt. And I was like, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, so when selecting things, I would say make sure that you really think about, is this something I can clean up and take care of depending on what type of use I'm doing with it? Uh, if things are going in someone's butt, you need to be able to disinfect it. Yeah. And that's a good point because the, the spare parts, for example, it's fabric, but it, you can wash it just like underwear or like a bra. You can stick it in, you know, hand wash it or put it in the machine, let it air dry as good as new. So you can clean that. So, you know, velvet, not so much. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. That's one of the reasons why I've always really liked the spare parts is because I actually take mine, I stick it in a pillowcase and then wash it inside the pillowcase and I take it out and let it hang dry. And it, as I said, it lasts me like 10 years. Yeah. There's a little bag it comes with too. And honestly, you know, all you really need to wash is like the part that's near your stuff. The rest of it's just the Velcro. So I would just, I stick mine in a little bag with some soap, stick it in the washing machine when I wash my delicates. And then like you said, let it air dry and it's nice and clean. And the leather ones you can clean also if you, um, if you put it out in direct sunlight and let it stay for a little while and it dries, sunlight will kill a lot of the germs. You can wipe it down with leather safe materials. So you can get body fluids off of leather. You just can't wash them, so to speak. I hope don't wash your leather. Please don't. Yeah. I What I do for my, um, my leather harness is I use Basic G. I don't know if you've ever heard of Basic G. Um, it's an all-natural cleaner, but it cleans all the nasty and you can wipe it down and it won't stain your yeah. leather. It won't damage your leather. Um, you just spray it on, leave it on for like 30 seconds and wipe it off, but it disinfects everything. And, and leather is pretty hard, hardy. So you can wipe it down with things. Just be careful when you're doing it to read and make sure it's something that isn't going to damage your leather. Yeah. It can be damp. It just shouldn't be soaking wet. So if someone's starting out, you know, with strap-oning, what do you think are the best, like, dongs to have for a strap-on, especially if you're just starting to get into doing strap-oning? Um, if you're just starting, um, well, I'm, we'll still assume you're doing um, both holes, okay? So if you're just starting in a vaginal hole, I would probably find a dildo that's no bigger than two fingers, a lot of the standard small, medium dildos that you'll find are going to be about that length. That's like a, almost a universal sort of dildo size, two fingers, right? So I'm thinking that's going to be five inches at the most. And that sounds like it's big and it sounds like it's small, but it's it's about that size inside the average vagina. So it's not going to be it, – It's I don't want anyone to be intimidated by it. And I don't want anyone to be like, oh, that's not big enough because you'd be surprised because the – Dildos are not like a flesh penis. They're a lot harder, even when they're soft, than an actual body part. So if you're having sex and it's going in and out, it's going to feel differently than it does when it's a body part, which isn't a bad thing or a good thing necessarily. It's just something to be prepared for. People don't always think that. They're like, oh, why is this, you know, this is hard. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's silicone or it's glass or it's something. Yes, it's going to be hard. Doesn't mean it has to hurt, but it's going to feel differently. Um, things to think about also is your breathing. You know, a lot of times people will have hangups just because of how they're breathing. If you're receiving it, a good tip for me is to breathe out while 
they're pushing in. So it's like a out while they're pushing in. So that relaxes your pelvic muscles. This is a tip for vaginal and for anal strap on play too. A lot of it is breathing. Um, and so both partners being aware of the other person's breathing will tell you if you're going too fast or too slow. I'm an advocate for everyone getting trying lube, regardless of which hole, you know, you find the lube that's compatible with your toy and your person, but you should put some lube on. Cause like I said, it's hard. So even if it's a smooth surface, um, anything going in and out with friction in your skin, you can get irritated. You know, if you have a little lube, you probably can take it longer than if you're trying to be a champ without any lube. And I just don't understand people's hangups about lube. Like, seriously, use it. It doesn't make you less of a person to use yeah. lube. I don't understand why people are like, no, I don't want to use the lube. It's like, why? So use lube, definitely. And as far as, you know, you were talking about size of dongs, is there anything else as far as, you know, you can definitely pitch a few brands if you if there's anything in particular you think is good. Um, but as far as different toys for different anatomies. Different toys for different anatomies. Um, okay, so um, let's talk prostate just briefly. So people who are doing anal play um, for anatomy, a lot of times you can find the toys that have a curve. Um, the same curve that works for prostate a lot of times can work for G-spot too. So all this information can work for any type of body. Um, I find that if you're going through the back and you can find a toy that curves towards your back, that's going to hit the prostate. And if you are um, going in the front, finding a toy that kind of curves down, I find can sometimes help people even hit the prostate from the, um, I mean, hit the um, G spot. Um, specific brands. There are so many dicks. I really, I really don't remember them. I know, I know there's like, uh, what is the, um, Vixen Skin is one that I use because I like the realistic feeling and touch type dicks, like the ones that actually look like penises. That's not everybody's fetish. But if you were like me and you do like a realistic one, uh, Vixen Skin is nice because they do um, different um, skin tones. And so I'm a dark skin person and they have my skin tone and they also have a mid tone and a lighter tone that looks really good. They even have a light, light tone, but even the white people I know don't need more than the mid tone because of the light, light, light one. Is. I'm, I'm the person that needs the seriously t- light one. <laughs> you need the albino one. <laughs> I, I, I have bright light. <laughs> now, you know, one I'm bright. I'm, I'm the, I'm the light bulb light color. That's me. Yes. Well, they have yours too. They have it. Um, what I like about them is, you know, there's definitely as far as anal play and, and vaginal play, and then there's just wearing. And I like Vic skins because I like them for their penises that are just for packing. The they are very realistic. It feels like you've got a real set of balls. <laughs> which just makes me feel so happy. And when you have one that is matching as far as, you know, for packing and also one that is for strap-onning, like you can switch them out and just be one with your penis. It's awesome. <laughs> that's a, that's true. That's a really good point. You totally could get two dicks or multiple dicks, the same color, different sizes. You know, I had a partner 
that I would wear the one dick that's the smaller one and, you know, start. And then <laughs> halfway through, I would switch it up. And she'd be like, wait a minute, that's a different dick. Like, I got you, you know, <laughs> like I got tricks in my bag. You don't know what's coming. And I think the biggest thing is when you're picking out a penis to keep in mind is that it should be something that you enjoy wearing as much as what you're doing for the other person. Because I think that's a, a big thing is, yeah. do I feel ridiculous wearing a tentacle as my penis or do I not? <laughs> I don't. I have a problem. I have one. Um, but whatever. I have one too. I know you do because we're a family. You know, just being, being, picking out something that you're going to be happy with as well as just picking out something that you think your partner is going to like. I agree. I think that if you get a harness, um, whoever's the one going to be wearing it should find the dick that they like. And it does help if you talk to your partner. Don't just show up with the giantest penis on the earth if you know your partner can't <laughs> handle that. But you should still like it as much as they do. You know, you get a dick for you, but you also get a dick so that you can do things with it. So it actually wouldn't help to get the largest thing you ever seen because most big, thick people actually aren't getting that much sex. Sorry to break it to you. But um, if you get some mid-range ones, those are usually enough for almost everything you want to do. And I, I have multiple sizes. Once you do it, you're going to end up getting more than one size because you're going to want to try them on like hats. Variety is the spice of life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Since we've kind of gone over all the the kinds of different things to think about and all that, how do you strap on? Like if, if you were to give some tips on how to strap on someone, what would they be? Um, okay. Well, it's actually harder than it looks. You know, if somebody's really giving it to you, they got to put some work in. So um, it's, I would say once you get to the point where you know it's going to happen, right? We're, you're, we're not skipping the foreplay because you should still have foreplay and work somebody up before you start, you know, smashing it. You know, no one, you don't just jump into that. But let's say you're with this person and you guys have got to the point where you feel comfortable, you know, putting the harness on can be sexy. Like, hold on, I'm going to be right back and slip into something comfortable. Or it can be, hey, put this on me because I'm about to make your rock your world or whatever it is. Right. But incorporate the act of putting it on into it. Cause then it'll make you feel less nervous when you got to fumble with all the buttons and the Velcro. Cause the first time you actually put it on, it's going to feel like you're strapping up in a space suit or something. Cause you're going to go, where, where are my legs at? Nah, 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 nah. You gotta get used to it. But then once you get into it, um, you should position your dildo uh, base so that it's resting in a way that gives you stimulation. So some people who have vaginas will put it right over their clit. Um, some people who have penises will put it um, near the bottom of the mound, you know, um, or and they'll position themselves so they can get stimulation from it. So you get friction because everything else that happens, you're going to be getting that thrusting friction right up against you know, your base, your root chakra, if you will, right? So um, it needs to be comfortable for you. And then you can use your other hand to guide it into the, the person who's receiving it. Uh, like I said, it's breathing. So when they are breathing out, that's when you push in. So it's a inhale together, exhale, inhale, exhale, just keep it steady. And then when they breathe out, that's when you push in and you wait, give them a few minutes to adjust. 
Um, just like when you're in fucking, you don't just start and going hard. You work up to it. So it's a gradual buildup. And then they'll adjust, start to adjust to the friction. Uh, you can do any position that you would do with a penis. So all everything in the Kama Sutra is up for game. You can do all of it. So it doesn't have to limit you any positions. You can use a harness if you're in a wheelchair. You can use a harness if you, you know, can't use your legs. All you really need is to be able to rock your body in a way that's consistent. So if you have access to hips and you can rock your hips back and forth, um, it helps to have have a good grounding foundation because you're going to be rocking a lot. So you want to have a good stance either on top or behind or your legs are open some kind of way, but you need to be grounded because you're going to be putting in work. <laughs> you got to do some squats, do some squats in preparation. Yeah. You're going to have to squat. <laughs> you will not believe how much your thighs are going to ache after the first time you strap somebody. So <laughs> Do some, do some squats. It makes me appreciate all of the sex I had before where somebody actually put in work. It's like, thank you. You did a lot. I didn't even know you were hooking me up. But uh, yeah, so you know, so there's a lot of rocking back and forth. Um, and so strap-ons can pretty much go in any hole. So I like to um, get head by strap-on. I think that's really hot. I'll do that first, honestly, before anything else, just because I like making them get it warmed up with their mouth and wet. And I get to look at their reactions and I can grab their hair. I like choking people on my cock. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. That's what I like. I like watching people <laughs> gag on my cock. It is fantastic. But I'm a very, I'm a very toppy person. <laughs> so I'm like. <laughs> I was working up to it. But I'm yeah, like, that's I don't, cool. I don't know how to be sweet with my strap on. That's not entirely true. But I do, I do really like face fucking with my strap on. And you don't have to worry about teeth, which I, I think is fantastic because you can really do a lot with it. Um, I had an experience with a partner years ago and we were having a threesome and I was face fucking this lady and uh, she was really having a good time with it. And then he came over and did the same thing and was like, ow. And I was like, this is the benefit of me not actually feeling the end of this. <laughs> Because the teeth don't bother me, none. <laughs> You're like, I'm good. Okay, so my um, horrious, hor horrible, I guess, strap-on story is, um, you know all the people involved, so I'm not going to say their names, but uh, we had a friend of ours whose girlfriend set him up to be, like, jumped at this party. And so we bought a... Um, what do you call it? We bought a uh, prom gown from the thrift store, and we went to the party and we put him in this giant pink princess dress and we hauled, like we tied him up with some rope and we had these giant fucking strap-ons and this dick was bigger than my arm and it was black like Crayola midnight black bigger than my arm and we're uh, and we're beating them and tying them up and he's calling us all kinds of names because the safe word for the scene was I'm a pretty pretty but princess. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so the scene would not stop until he said, I'm a pretty, pretty butt princess. And he did not want to say that shit. So we're fucking him up. And my homegirl, you know, or, you know, she's tiny and gorgeous and beautiful. And she's wearing this giant black 
dick and she's face fucking him and he bit the shit out of his dick like a chunk of it and just bit it and spit it in the room and she's like I don't care I can't feel that shit and she just kept going and I, I wasn't sure we were going to be friends after that but shortly after he said fine fine I'm a pretty pretty fucking butt princess and then we all had aftercare and laughed at him for the rest of the night it was one of my favorite <laughs> days ever <laughs> so yeah biting it doesn't mean anything that's one of the perks i mean you might end up losing a dong over it but it's not the end of the world yeah we bought a new dick basically we had to buy a new dick so i guess you know breaking it down there's you know you can do face fucking you can do vaginal anal i think there's a little tiny bit more care involved with using a strap on while doing anal. I think like the first thing that you have to remember is shit does happen, right? Like that is a fact. Yes, literally. And there's definitely things that you can do to prepare yourself as the person who's going to receive a strap on. But even with all the care, huh? Wash your ass. Wash your ass. That's first. Any tips for that? Any tips for washing your ass? Um, well, I don't believe in using soap for real on your butt because butts are weird and they have pH balance. You can do most washing with just water. You keep, you know, just get your hands in there a little bit. Some people put their finger in. I think that's a good practice to be able to explore your body. You explore the front all day. You might as well explore the back, you know, so you can get a finger in there. Some people do enemas. I actually do enemas as well if I have time to prepare. Um, so they don't have to be elaborate. It's just water. And you just put some water in there and hold it and then it'll come out. Trust me. <laughs> you know. So that yeah, enemas you do a couple hours ahead of time just so you know it's done. So maybe at least two hours, I would say, in advance. Yeah, you want to give yourself time because you don't want to flush yourself out and think you're flushed out and not all the way be flushed out because that can be really messy and bad. So you want to do that a little bit beforehand. I'll actually put in the show notes, uh, there's actually like a how to do a clean out that I'll put in the show notes. Um, that's like a very uh, practical, easy way of going about it in your own home. So I'll put that in there. But yeah, definitely clean yourself out. I think it's a really good idea even if you're not going into like doing an edema to at least, you know, finger your own butt, feel up in there, see if anything's going on <laughs> before doing butt play. Um, and I think it's very helpful, especially if you're not somebody who does a lot of butt stuff to absolutely make sure that you start with some kind of butt plug, something like that. And work your way up. Don't be like, I'm going to take on Godzilla penis when I've never had anything but a finger in my butt. It's a bad idea. You're not going to be happy. I agree. I think uh, if you want someone to play with your butt, you should be able to put your own finger in your butt first. Like you should be able to get your own finger in your own butt. Because if you can't do it, I can't do it. And then we're just going to be staring at each other and your butt because <laughs> you won't let me in. <laughs> so for the receiver end, what can they do to sort of make strap-oning, especially if it's a newer experience, like how can you work through that very beginning? Because I know a lot of people do things that actually are the things that you shouldn't do. 
You know, like they know the cocks come in, they tighten up, that little hole closes up, and they're just sitting there like nervous and scared. So what can you do to make that process a little easier, a little less painful? Um, I think people should just be aware of how their butt works and what it actually is doing when it seizes up. Because when you are relaxed, your butt normally is closed. And then when you are nervous, it tightens up, right? But unless you tell your butt to open, it doesn't normally do that. It has one time it opens normally when it's doing its function. But it doesn't normally sit in that position open. So you have to tell your butt it's okay and relax. And then you have to tell your butt to open up. Like you, as the receiver, have to literally say, okay, but let's open up now in your mind to it. Because this is a, a full body experience. It's not just somebody outside breaking in to your butt cave like an intruder, you know, like we're in being invited in. So you have to open the door. And a lot of that is, you know, relaxing or your, your mental hangups about what it could mean for your sexuality or your relationship or your gender or any of that stuff. Like, let that go. Just experience the moment. Keep it really simple. And if you allow that to happen, then it can build into um, a pleasurable, explorative experience. Yeah. One of the things that I've found is the most helpful thing for a bottom when I'm going to do anal with them is for them to push out. Like occasionally I'll be like, just do a little push, just a little push and breathe. That's all you need to do. And a lot of times I'll have bottoms that are like, but that's, you know, what you do when you poo. And it's like, no, man, just push out a little bit. I know it's odd with something going in versus something going out, but it does open you up and it does make it be a lot more smoother of an experience versus trying to push it through because that's not going to feel good. Exactly. And you're going to associate some of the feelings to poo because that's normally when you feel that sensation. So it's, it's totally normal to think you're going to poo or to be worried about poo just for a second because you're in the poo hallway. Like, I get it, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, like if you're getting for people who have vaginas, if you're having sex vaginally, it's not a normal for you to get a cramp or a twinge or something that you might feel at other times, right? Sometimes you're, they're hitting it the right spot or sitting something a certain way and you get like a twitching your leg almost. And we understand that that's because you're dealing with a similar body part. It doesn't necessarily mean that that other body function is about to happen. So bodies make, you know, they, they move and they feel certain ways. It's okay. Put down a dark towel if you're really worried about it. I would say nine times out of 10, it's people's anxiety coming out more than it is a body function. In my experience, when people are like, oh, I think I'm going to poo or it feels like something else. Usually it's just breathe through it and then they go to a different place. I'll agree. I think that there is the occasional times because stuff happens. And as somebody who is strap oning someone else, I will say this. If you're doing anal play and you notice a little bit of something on your penis, after you've done stuff with your partner, don't say nothing about it. 
just like take your cock off, put it away, and like don't make your partner feel weird about it. Um, like I've had plenty of times with partners where, you know, afterwards there's been a little something at the very end and I've been like, okay, no big deal. And I just take off my cock, I put it off to the side and I let them go take their shower and they never knew. And that's fine. You can do that as a partner. Your partner doesn't need to feel ashamed of it. If you are the person who's on the bottom and you happen to know that something happened, don't be ashamed of it. It's, it's a normal body thing that's going to happen. So, uh, you know, I think the big thing is, is just making sure that there isn't shame on either end with it. Yeah. You're like, Oh, I'm a little dirty now. Let's get in the shower. The end. Like it doesn't have to be weird. You know, I totally agree. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wear condoms a lot of the times when I'm doing anal play, regardless of who the person is, because then I can just take the condom off. If it gets dirty, put another one on. We can keep playing. Nothing even has to slow down. Good tip. Condoms are fun. <laughs> For me, latex-free condoms are fun because I'm I'm allergic to latex. <laughs> I'm allergic to latex. So not all condoms are fun for me, but No, I get it. Definitely that's a good question to ask people too what they what their allergies are before you play cuz certain things in your toy bag react to different things. So it's a good information to know. So, all right, we've talked about, you know, kind of picking out strap-ons, sort of how to go through doing strap-oning. When you're done, how do you clean up? <laughs> Um, okay, so I have just banged the shit out of you, perhaps literally, and we're laying on bed or the floor or the hotel room or the balcony or wherever we are, right? Back of the car. And so, you know, I like to check people top or bottom just to see if there's any blood. Sometimes when you're fucking hard, there's a little blood. It's not a big deal if there's a little pink, you know, on the sheet as long as it's not copious amounts that are flowing freely, you know, you should not have flowing unless you got your period Then that's different and hot, but that's a different subject. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I check for stuff like that. Uh, we basically either get in the shower. I always pee after sex. That's a good idea because it helps flush you out in case of IUDs or anything that might be caught up in there. So everybody goes to pee. And then your aftercare or whatever else you're going to do after that, I mean, you can take your harness off and clean it right away. Sometimes I do that just because I like to be tidy. You know, you just wreck the room. I don't want to leave a dick that's filthy just sitting there. So a lot of times I'll just rinse, at the very least, I'll rinse the dildo off so that it's not covered. And, you know, clean up the crime scene. And it's not sitting there staring at you. Right, exactly. You know, this this filthy penis just sitting there. So usually I will just, at the very least, rinse it off, wrap it up in the towel, and put it back in my play bag. Um, You know, most dildos now, you can boil them. And then once you boil them, they're sanitary. You can put it wherever you put it to store it. For my partner, you know, whenever you have sex, you like to check on them. So I hope we're still friends after. I like to check that. Make sure we still like each other. Um, what else should we do? You tell me. What, what else do you do afterwards? Um, I mean, for me, I depending on the strap-on harness, it kind of dep- depends on what I'm going to do. If it's one of my leather harnesses, I spray it down and wipe it off. If it's my spare parts, I'll just toss it in a bag and wash it when I get around to it again. As far as for me, my biggest thing is really just checking in with my partner. Uh, 
whatever they need afterwards. Because sometimes, you know, depending on what I do with a strap on, if it's, you know, different people have different reactions. Some people, it might just be, I just need to sit and giggle and cuddle. And others, it might be, all right, you need a shower and you really, really need like a chocolate bar and some serious love for the next two days. Uh, So really just checking in with my partner um, and making sure they're good. As far as myself, I usually, you know, rinse off, shower off, definitely pee. I'm a big like after sex pee person. Um, <laughs> like any, any like OBGYN will tell you, like, especially if you're a vagina haver, it is very good to pee out. And so, you know, for me, the biggest thing is just really focusing on my partner and making sure that the after experience is just as good as the during experience. And for people who are the givers, um, you know, after you gave somebody hopefully many, many orgasms, uh, one thing I like is aftercare is a massage. So I might make the person just massage me because I just did a workout. If you did it right, usually you're sweating and panting and (laughs) your hair is fucked up. So yeah, I want a little massage, you know, foot massage, back massage, something. For me, it's always my ass and thighs, man. (laughs) They're bad. Yes, I hear that. That's right. I feel right. like I did leg day <laughs> at the gym. You did. You did. And then you have like, I mean, I, at least in my experience, if you do strap on to people who have penises, sometimes they're, you know, are heavy and you got to like hold them up and make these positions, this big burly person. It's like, damn, y'all. You know, it's not like these little itty bitty people you can flip and just throw on them, throw on your dick and spin them around. You know, you give it a strap on to a big guy. That's a workout. So any other info about strap ons that you think people should know about? Let's see. What else? I'm trying to think anything else we haven't said. We talked about different kinds. I told you my favorite. Um, I know some of the harnesses have those little belt buckles. So just be careful with them. Some of the cheapo ones, those buckles are bullshit. So if you're going to buy one, just make sure it's something that can be adjusted and can stay adjusted. Even if it's your size, if it won't stay tight, then once you put a dildo in it, it's just going to sag and you won't get the actual um, tightness to your body that you need in order for the harness to feel secure. You know, It's going to fit kind of like snug up against you. That's how you know it's a good fit. It shouldn't be too loose because it's going to have to stay with you when you're doing all this motion, you know? And another thing is um, you want the, the part of the harness that's holding the base. You want it to, um, how do I put this delicately or indelicately, I should say. Uh, there's a suction factor once it's in a hole and it's going to be pulled in and out both ways. So it needs to be something that can, I've seen some cheap harnesses where you can fuck somebody with it, but the vagina, once it holds the, the dildo, it's, it's just going to suck it and hold it. You won't be able to get it back because the thing is not strong enough to, to pull back against a happy, healthy vagina. Yeah. You'll hear that real awkward noise. You know, you'll be sitting there and all of a sudden you'll just hear like, and then it's done. Like, <laughs> like you're like, oh, damn, hold on. You took it from me. <laughs> yes. <it> just. 
I know. You have to get it back. They will keep it. It's true. Butts do this too. Butts will keep it. If you don't have a good harness, it's it'll go in there and it'll be like, nope, it's mine. So <laughs> you're like, ah, I need my dick back. Give it to me. And also another, you know, type of dick that you can use and something that's really compatible with like the spare parts harness is the fieldo where you can actually have like it inside you. And one thing that I want to mention with the fieldo, cause I'm, I'm a big fan of the fieldo. I, I like the fieldo. Uh, I like being able to feel things when, you know, a, a, you know, inside of me while I'm inside of somebody else, there's just something about that. That is awesome. But what I will say is you need a, you need a harness for it. And everyone thinks, oh, well, you know, if I do 5,000 Kegels, I'll be able to hold this thing. No, you won't. Like once you start getting slippery and slidey in there, it is going to pop right out and it is going to follow your partner. And that whole weird suction thing is going to be even more weird because that popping noise is a lot louder when it comes out of you. So, (laughs) So use a harness when using something like a fieldo. Yeah, I would agree because with the field, though, you really only have one position unless you have a harness on. Otherwise, it's going to slide to the left or the right or whatever. So if you have a harness, you don't have to worry about that. It's just moving around inside you and it feels great. That's my opinion. Although I haven't had the new field, though. They have a softer one now. I just had the original, like that purple. Yeah, that purple guy. Yeah, I have a very large amount of number of purple penises. I don't know what it is with the color purple, but there is lots of purple out there as far as penises. And most of mine are purple. That's true. There are a lot of purple penises. I don't have a ton of them, but I do have a couple. Most of my penises are black, like skin tone black. And one thing I would like to throw out there is that also strap-ons allow for a variety also of like multiple partners. Um, As somebody who is in a multiple partner relationship, me being able to wear a strap on and not just have Rigel be the only penis in the room has also been very helpful. Um, There was actually a not too long ago with my partners where I moved my harness up and actually had my girlfriend ride me with my strap on. And because I was using the type of harness that had, you know, openness at the bottom and underneath, I was able to have sex with Rigel while my partner rode me, which was really awesome, right? So uh, talking about like it being something that's versatile, just also keep in mind that it also allows for different activities. So that way, especially if there's a relationship or a grouping of people that are having sex and say there's only one or two guys, but three or four girls, it allows for there to be more than one person with a fat, you know, with a, with a penis in the room. And it's also a really cool way to have safe sex. Like you can be wrapped up completely and have all kinds of amazing rocking sex and not have to exchange fluids just by using a a strap on. That's an awesome point. Yeah, like I love it. I think it's really cool when someone's down and they're like, let's go because we can get down for real before we get down in different ways. All right. So we're going to do our speed round now, Jackie. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) All right. So what our speed round is, is we are going to ask you uh, a couple of questions in like 60 seconds. You're supposed to answer them as fast as you can. Um, So are you ready? Uh, yes, I'm ready. Go. 
All right. What is something you are not good at? Oh man. Time management. (laughs) Tell me something that's true that no one agrees with you with. No one agrees with me. That's there's everyone agrees with me. Okay. Something that's true. No one agrees with me. Oh, uh, I, I don't think, um, that Jim Carrey is funny. Best piece of relationship advice you've ever received. Best piece of relationship advice is, um, hmm, probably never give him the iron. Meaning if somebody's leaving you and they're about to take all your stuff and they're like, hey, baby, can I borrow your iron? Be like, no, never give him the iron. It's your iron. You paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Three things you couldn't live without. Uh, I couldn't live without um, my kinky toys. I couldn't live without, I can, I can say family and friends. That's hokey, right? Masturbation. I couldn't live without masturbation. Um, and I couldn't live without coconut oil, which can be used as air conditioner, lotion, and lube. All right. A book you would recommend for our listeners? I'm just looking at my bookshelf right now, and I see it says uh, masochistic sluts. <laughs> so I want to go with that. I also see gay bondage erotica. So that sounds fun too. And I think there's some Octavia Butler over there. So I love her. Those are three books. What's your biggest fear? My biggest fear is being um, non-value creating. What's the most adventurous thing you've ever done? It could be sexual or non-sexual. Most adventurous thing I've ever done um, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty brave. I talk to people all the time. I was door-to-door salesman. That was pretty adventurous because, oh no, I used to uh, be a Bible school teacher. That was adventurous. And I got a brand. That was adventurous. Okay, I'm done. That's for 60 seconds. All right. So uh, who is your TV or movie star crush? I'm going to go with Idris Elba because he just looked like a snack. (laughs) All right. Something you're currently working on that you'd like our listeners to know about. Oh, yes. So uh, my business, Jackie Griel Productions, I am creating art, uh, specifically kinky art for people of color and for everyone. So you can follow me on Patreon and I'm selling prints on bluebubble.com. My shop is Jackie Griot. Find me on Facebook and FetLife and Instagram. And my Tumblr is pervertsofcolor.tumblr.com for all your POC perverted needs. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today, Jackie. Thank you. This was fun. I had a good time. Thanks a lot, babe. All right. Thanks again for joining us. I did want to tell you about our kinky sex positive play party. Uh, We're having for New Year's in Baltimore, the Panic at the Playhouse. There's going to be demos, games, and lots of dungeon furniture. We'll be having everything you need to bring in 2018 kinky style. So check it out. You can go to the show notes at atouchaflavor.com forward slash 018. I'll have a link in there so you can get the rest of the details. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchaflavor.com slash ask or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1.